What I'm about to present to you this morning is quite simple. And that's what makes it so profound. For nine years, I was a PSIA skiing instructor in the Midwest, uh, Professional Ski Instructors of America. And I taught children from the intermediate uh, level of skiing up to uh, preparing them for racing. But every single day that we gathered, 10 weeks on a Saturday during the winter in Minnesota, where you don't ski mountains, you ski bumps, because that's all they have. They don't have any mountains. But we began the day by starting at the top of the hill and teaching them again steering, edging, and pressure, the three basics of downhill skiing. Every time, even the ones who had skied for more than 10 years in the program, we started with edging, pressure, and steering. So you saw these advanced skiers in a snowplow or wedge move working their way slowly down the hill, practicing their edging and their steering and their pressure. So they learned to use to ski properly using the edges of the skis rather than splashing snow everywhere, which is what most people do when they ski. This is what we're going to do today. This is Christian basics. This is Christianity 101. This is the introductory course of Christianity for people. I think it's absolutely crucial that periodically we do this, and so this morning we're doing it, and I'm excited about it. And I begin. On June 20th, 1980, an American musical comedy film, The Blues Brothers, was released. I love that movie. If you haven't seen it, get it. It's amazing. It starred John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd as Jake and Elwood Blues. The story is a tale of redemption for paroled convict Jake and his blood brother Elwood, who set out on a mission from God, and that's said several times in the movie, to save a Catholic orphanage in which they were raised from foreclosure. To do so, they seek to unite or reunite their R&B band and organize a performance so they could earn $5,000 that's needed to pay the orphanage's property tax bill. Like Jake and Elwood, we're on a mission from God. We may not be convicted felons. Some of us may be. And we haven't told anybody. But we are a people who have experienced prison. We've experienced prisons of addictions, of obsessions, of compulsions, all of which are the same thing in a variety of forms. And of course, we all are victims of our own bad choices or the bad choices others have made that have affected us. In Christ, God has rescued and redeemed us. And God has given to us a mission. In the church, this mission is called the Great Commission. It's a come mission. That is a mission with partners, with mission. It's in partnership. The first partner is God, who rescued and redeemed us. He wants us to partner with him in this mission. The second partner is other people who've been rescued and redeemed by God. Those are our fellow members in the church or other people everywhere who have accepted Christ as their Lord, follow him as their Savior, 
they have also been rescued and redeemed. That's a second partnership. But there's a third partner. And the third partner is anyone, anyone who has not yet been rescued or redeemed by God. It's a come mission, with mission, with God, with fellow believers, and with those yet to believe. Listen to the mission as given us by God, God's Son in particular, Jesus the Christ. From Matthew 28. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus with a mission to rescue and redeem us. In the same way, Jesus sends us to proclaim by example and words the mission and rescuing and redeeming of others. Thank you, Father. Help us to really get the message of your mission. And by the way, Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit to empower us for your mission in our world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The first thing to note in the mission that comes from God for us is that it is a personal calling from Jesus. Look again at the mission Jesus has given us. I want to see what this slide looks like, Chris. Oh, good. Thank you. Do you note some things are made much bolder. Jesus uses the pronoun me in the first sentence. The mission is clearly, personally coming from Jesus. He includes himself as the son in the second sentence. Part of the mission he is giving is about connecting people with him, the son, in baptism. In other words, he wants people identifying with him to get to know him Because when you do get to know him, it changes everything for the good. Jesus also uses the pronoun I in the second and the final sentence, noting that he has taught us all that is necessary and that he is present with us to fulfill the mission he gives. The mission is personal from Jesus. However, the mission is also personal for us. Look again at the mission statement. Jesus uses the pronoun you five times. Three times it's understood. You go. You baptize. You teach. Twice the you is outright stated. Teach others everything I taught you and I will be with you. It's personal for us. The you is personal in the sense of it's you and me. But it's also, in the Greek, inclusive as you all. But let's not use, lose it in the you all sense that I don't have a responsibility. I do. It's given to me. And you have a responsibility as a declared follower of Christ that you must follow him. Jesus goes on to make this profoundness, excuse me, I went too far ahead. 
For every disciple of Jesus, everyone, this is a personal call, a personal call to you and a personal call to me, to each and to all of us. The second thing to note on this mission is that it is a call to full surrender, complete submission. Jesus begins by saying, all authority, all authority. He declares that he has all authority. No one has authority over Jesus. No one of us should ever take authority in our own life as followers of Jesus the Christ. He further declares that he has all authority in heaven and all authority on earth. Heaven, the place that is eternal, that is abundant, that is complete, it is the finish. It is everything. And it's beyond our wildest imagination what it will be like. You can guess all you want. You can imagine all you please. You won't get there that way. That's what God has in store. His authority is in heaven and on earth. That's the place that is now and that is temporary. Do you ever feel like this is kind of a permanent place? Do you feel stuck? This is so not permanent. You want to see how permanent life is? Wait for half an hour. Things will change. They always do. Our lives here are brief, like a breath. In the scheme of all of life, this is just a tiny moment. This is a temporary place. We're pilgrims. We're on a journey. And the goal is to get to the permanent place, the eternal place, the absolutely wonderful place. But there's a mission while we're here. And it begins with the authority of Jesus. It is not clear that Jesus by declaring, is it not clear that but Jesus by saying uh, his authority is over everything, is saying that we are to be in submission to him. Complete surrender. Are there parts of the Bible you don't like? Oh, come on. Aren't there parts you don't like? I read in history about one politician who looked at those parts and he took his Bible and he cut those out of the Bible. Thomas Jefferson. Smart man. Bad option. Cutting them out doesn't mean they aren't true. Cutting them out doesn't mean they aren't what God wants. God has declared what he wants in our lives. We are meant to submit fully to him, completely, without exception, even the parts we don't like or don't understand. And there's a lot of those, aren't there? Which is why we study the scripture, which is why we rely on the spirit to help us with the understanding of God's holy word. It's a call to full surrender. He is Lord. We are not. And yet as Lord, he serves. Listen to what Jesus says about himself. In Mark 10, 45, we read, The Son of Man, that is Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. And he calls us to both submit to him and to serve like him, one another. The third thing to note on this mission statement of Jesus at the end of Matthew's gospel is that it's a call to a profound faith. 
There are many aspects of a profound faith given us in the Bible. We will not look at those this morning. We'll look just at the one that's in this mission statement. It's the primary one. Jesus includes in his mission for us the Trinity. Look again at the verses. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Trinity, the word Trinity is not found in the Scripture, but there are ample texts that speak of each of the persons of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God is one and with three persons. Can I explain that to you? No. Do I believe it? I do. What does it mean? God's a whole lot bigger, a whole lot better, a whole lot more than I can even begin to grasp. And Jesus goes on to make this profoundness even more profound at the end of his high priestly prayer in John 17. He's praying for the original 12 disciples, and then he prays this. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that is the message of the disciples, the original, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I and them, and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Not only are the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit one with one another, he now includes this, which means I'm in one with you. Her face is more astounded than mine. (laughs) And I'm in one with you. And I'm in one with you. And I'm in one with you. And God does a miraculous thing in us that includes us in the mystery, the profoundness of what he does in the Holy Trinity. He includes us in that mix. And we are made one. Now, am I like Jesus? I pray that God will help me to be like him. I am not Jesus. Those of you who know me well know this to be very true. But I'm becoming like him. If you knew me before, you would say he's come quite a ways. And if we're not getting better in our likeness of God, in the likeness of his son, if year after year we don't see some growth in our lives, then something is wrong with our submission. Something is wrong with our surrender. Something is wrong with our statement that he is Lord, because he's not. Because we will be changed. It won't be the same us. We don't just get better, we get transformed. It's profound. How profound is that? The fourth thing to note on the mission of God for us is that it's a call to personal action. Look again at our text and the highlighted words. These are the actions we are to personally be involved in as disciples of Jesus. Go. We are to be reaching out with our lives. We are to go. It's also as we go. That can be interpreted that way. Because we are a people who are on the move, are we not? How's your calendar look this week? You excited about it? Some of you are. Some of you are thinking, how in the world can I get that accomplished before the week is out? It's due on Thursday. 
But on the go, we are also to be people who take opportunities as God brings them to us to be his people. We are to engage with others as we go. We are not only to go, we're to make disciples. We're to help people to become followers of Jesus Christ. We're to show them the way. We're to model what it means to be a Christ follower. We're to be examples for them. And we're to help them see how do you follow? What are things that you can do to help your life be transformed in Christ? And we can, if we are truly following Jesus ourselves, we can say to someone like Paul does several times in his letters, follow me. Follow my example. Do things as I'm doing them. This is what the life of a Christian looks like. We're to make disciples. We are to baptize. Now there's where some might have problems. Over here we have a baptismal pool. Back in the sacristy we have a baptismal font. Typical covenant position. You have options. It's a nice thing. Right down here, I I love it. There are two pools. One is supposed to be dry so the pastor doesn't have to get wet. I prefer to get wet personally. The other is wet for people to be baptized by immersion. The font is for infants, for families who want to have their infants baptized. But there's more to baptism than the ritual of baptism, the application of water. Baptizo in the Greek means the total identification of one thing with another. We are to help people to be able to identify God, who God is, and how he feels toward them. We're also meant to help ourselves to identify with God. That is God. That is Jesus, the Son of God. That is the Holy Spirit that's transforming my life. To identify people with God is the work of baptism. We are to go. We are to make disciples. We are to baptize. And the fourth, we are to teach. Instruction. Yes. If you want good Bible teachers, you have come to the right church. We have some of the best Bible teachers currently teaching off for the summer right now, but teaching in the fall, come again. Unbelievable, powerful, practical, personal, growing in people's lives. We're to engage in conversations and we're to seek answers with people together. You may not have, an, not have an answer. I may not have an answer. But we can look together. We can discover together. We can go to the scriptures. We can go to wise and godly people and find counsel. That's the role of a disciple of Jesus who has fully surrendered to him. To go, to make disciples, to baptize in the fullest sense of the word, and to teach. Or to toot a horn. (laughs) In my opinion, it is tragic that the Great Commission, today's text, gets reduced, and I mean seriously reduced, to mean merely evangelism. It's a travesty. To be reduced to merely the winning of people for Jesus, both of which are essential. But the call to go is so much more. I wrestled for hours with how to write something that made sense of this and then came across something James Ford writes 
in church planting as noted in the IMB website. Here's what he says, and I quote him. The Great Commission isn't merely about getting conversions, church planting, and related evangelistic efforts. Rather, it also involves teaching disciples to let their light shine so that others can see their good works, Matthew 5. To reconcile broken relationships, also Matthew 5. To turn the cheek and go the second mile, also Matthew 5. To do unto others the types of justice, kindness, mercy, forgiveness, fairness, and grace they would want for themselves, Matthew 7. To use power to serve and not oppress, Matthew 20. To invite the poor to dinner, Luke 14. And to love their neighbor as themselves, Matthew 22. In other words, making disciples in fulfillment of the Great Commission requires teaching them to live in the direction of God's kingdom, Matthew 6, until his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, Matthew 6. End of quote. The call of Jesus for us is personal, for him and for us. The call of Jesus for us is to submit to him as our Lord, period. The call of Jesus for us is profound. We are adopted transformed, made new, one with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the call of Jesus for us is to be active disciples in his mission, to connect them with God who seeks to adopt, transform, and make new all the people of the world. So, what am I to do in response to this basic teaching of Christianity and this call to mission by Jesus. Pray. But a very specific prayer. Has God put a person on your mind or in your heart? Someone that you know God wants you to care for, to redeem, to rescue? Is there a person? Is there such a person that's on your mind or in your heart? then I ask you right now to take your worship folder on the back where the sermon notes are located. You can write their name, just their first name, or their initials. This is just for you. You're not turning anything in. Just write their name or their initials. Pray for them. Daily, pray for them. Ask God to confirm for you his call to target them with your love in Christ. They are your mission to love for Jesus, no matter what. To encourage them, to inspire them, to care for them, to provide for them, to really love on them for Jesus' sake. As confirmed by God in your prayer life, be an example, an encouragement, and a messenger for them from God. Okay. Perhaps you do not have such a person person on your mind or in your heart. Okay, that's fine. Put a question mark on your notes at the back of the bulletin. Pray. Pray for God to place a person on your mind and in your heart for the gospel of Christ.
This is so simple, is it not? This is like steering, edging, and pressure. And you're already an advanced skier. But this is the basic mission of God in our lives. Pray for God to place that person on your mind and in your heart. As you listen to God, wait for him to give a person to you. Someone will come. This is what God longs for, for every follower. No exceptions. And if we're not doing this, we are not following the Jesus who came to do this and did it with people who have done it for us. Did you come to Jesus, to God on your own? Or were there people who helped? People who set an example. People you may not even know how much they prayed for you. People who encouraged you. Maybe Sunday school teachers. What do we call them here? Life together teachers. Christian foundation formation teachers. We change the name all the time just to keep people on their toes. Or perhaps it was a youth worker or perhaps somebody at camp or it was a member of your family. Someone helped you come to know Jesus. Are you paying it forward? That's the mission of God to pay it forward for others. As revealed by God, who will put a person on your mind or in your heart, go and be an example for them. Encourage them. Be a messenger from God for them. That's the mission. It's that simple. It's not complicated. It's not complex. The relationships we have with people can be complicated and complex. But be an example of Jesus for someone else. Remember, God has called us by his son to a mission. And God has empowered us by his Holy Spirit to fulfill that mission. Let's personally and let's together be active responders to God, submit to his way of life so that people will come to know and love God. That's the mission. I trust we're clear. I trust we're encouraged. I pray that we're inspired. And I will continue to pray that we personally engage in the mission God has given to us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, forgive us for making it more complex and complicated. Help us to surrender fully to you and to accept and act on the mission you have given us. Help us personally and as a church, Bethany Covenant Church, to go, to make disciples, to baptize in the fullest sense of the word, and to teach everything that you have been teaching us.